Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Where Do We Begin? An absolute cracker lined up for all you guys today with the great man, Phil Anderson. And speaking of great men, if you didn't listen to the show last week, we've got a new co-host on board. It's his first interview. We'll be showing all of you guys today. He goes by the name of Lockie Gibbs. How are you, Lockie? Thanks, Arthur. I'll, um, I'll always be keen to jump on if you keep describing me as a great man. And uh, yeah, look, this was a lot of fun. Um, due to the uh, magic of show business, we actually recorded this a couple of weeks ago. So this was my first ever interview and I was a little bit nervous, but then I guess just going in, like Phil is just such a nice guy. He's so easy going, he's so personable and he has an awesome story that I didn't know much, too much about before, but I can tell the listeners are going to really enjoy. He's a really funny guy and yeah, I just can't wait for everybody to hear it. Yeah, it's it's a pretty long interview, so we've actually split into two parts, uh, but both parts just amazing, amazing stories, some really funny stories. Phil is a pretty hilarious guy uh, when he really gets into it. So yeah, should we just get straight into it now, Lockie? Let's dive in. Okay, now when you think about pioneers, you've got people like Albert Einstein in physics, Amelia Earhart in aviation, maybe even Neil Armstrong in space and the moon, but you also think of Phil Anderson and Australian cycling. He's an absolute legend of the sport and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome him onto the show. So big welcome to Phil Anderson. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. And, uh, you know, when I heard that, uh, you know, this was a passion of yours, uh, I thought, yeah, you know, I'll um, I'll give it a crack, and and uh, I'm happy to be here, and and um, hopefully we can uh, give something for your uh, listeners to uh, to chat about. Thank you so much, Phil, for um, coming on. As we were discussing before, this might be a bit unorthodox. This is my first time on the podcast, so the guests might have to guide the uh, the host through its stages. I hope that's okay. Yeah, lucky. Well, you no, know, I mean, um, you know, I mean, obviously. I'd, my cycling uh, career was, um, you know, something which which really happened years ago, and and uh, yeah, first time you get in front of a microphone, or, um, you know, in front of a television camera, it can be a bit daunting. But um, you know, I know you kids are uh, are fine with it. I have a uh, son who, um, you know, he's uh, twenty now, but uh, you know, the opportunities that. Um, you know, children have as they come through the education system of public speaking is, is incredible compared to when I was a kid. You never got a chance to get up in front of your schoolmates or your or your uh, parent, you know, everybody's parents, and and uh, give a presentation or anything like that. So, for me, when I was, um, you know, I guess one of the first big races I won was the Commonwealth Games. You know, you get up in front of, um, you know, Prince Charles and. And uh, you know, accept an award, and you ask to say a few words, and you don't really know what to say. <laughs> so, um, but uh, anyway, I think the kids these days, um, you know, are, are very, uh, very fortunate to have the grand they do through the uh, education, and you know, I mean, it, 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 it paves the way from for your lives. You know, you can walk into an office and sit down for an interview. You know, when you're, um, you know, applying for a new position. And, uh, you know, you're, you're confident and it's, uh, it's marvellous. So, for me, I might be the one that's going to stumble. 
<laughs> I think um, Harper told me we want to keep it chronologically, but I do want to. Uh, so I'll ask you about the, your early career, but I do want to ask you about that. Did you ever find it hard? I guess like talking to media and stuff. Like, do you find it daunting? Because I know for me, I feel like I'm one of those people. I can just if there's like two or three people, if there's a small group. Yeah, I feel like I can thrive, but like big groups, it can be quite daunting. Did you ever find that, or do you you felt comfortable talking to the media? Like. Prince Charles, I'm struggling not to I jump ahead because I know we have to start, but that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's difficult if, if you're, uh, you know, subject of a, in, in front of a, a bunch of press, uh, you know, sometimes there'll be like 30 people there all firing questions and, um, you know, in, a, in an open sort of forum and there's nobody there sort of directing it. Um, yeah, you, you try and, you know, take a sort of a, uh, you know, you just got to guess, you know, you just can't uh, pick the good-looking ones or something or the ones that have a shiny microphone. You've got to go around and, and sometimes, you know, you've only got, you know, three or four minutes because, you know, you've got other other things to, uh, to, to take care of. And so, uh, yeah, you just try to stay light and just make sure you understand the question and answer it and then, you know, Go on to this one and a couple of them, but yeah, it can be um, it, it can be uh, challenging, you know, because you you don't want to appear that you're an asshole or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Say a few words and and, and move on. <laughs> you know, you don't want to feel like you're, you're Donald Trump or anything. <laughs> <laughs> now, a whole lot before, a long time before, they're speaking to royalty, Prince Charles days. Uh, I was actually pretty surprised to find out that uh, you were born in the same country, the same city as Prince Charles in London, uh, and then moved to Australia at a pretty young age. So tell us a bit about your early life uh, growing up, uh, your memories of London, if you have any, and growing up in Australia. Yeah, you're right. I was, I was born in Finchley, just out of London, and um, my mum was Australian and she went over uh, seas, like I went overseas for, um, you know, in search of uh, challenges within my sport to, to race my bicycle. My mum went over there to uh, do ballet and um, to be a dancer, and she met a, an English bloke and they got married and, and um, had my sister and I. And then uh, but the, lang- the marriage didn't last that long, so I came back with my mother and my older sister. We came back to Australia. Um, and, uh, yeah, in the early days we were in Adelaide because that's where she came from. And then we, we, um, she met a, a gentleman, became my stepfather. They got married and moved to Melbourne. And basically I grew up in, in uh, Melbourne from possibly the age of six. So it was only like uh, one when I came back, when I came, when I came to Australia, so... You know, um, uh, yeah, I always consider myself Australian and uh, proud, very proud of that. But yeah, grew up in suburban Melbourne and and um, went to school at uh, Trinity in Kew. Uh, we lived just around the corner. I'll uh, try and not hold that against you going to Trinity. <laughs> I, I went to Peninsula, so fierce rivalry oh, with okay. Uh, Tr- <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. I remember school was coming out because, um, you know, going through uh, school there, I was, I mean, you know, everybody plays footy and cricket. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was more into the endurance sports. I was more into cross-country running and swimming and stuff like that. But I remember coming down Peninsula there and, and um, kicking ass in some of the, the uh, cross-country <laughs> events. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it was um, – I really enjoyed um, – 
you know, my time at Trinity, but it uh, wasn't until about, uh, well, I was 16 when I began racing, so um, I would have been in like uh, year 10. So what sparked that? Uh, well, yeah, so I, was, I would have been 15 and, you know, I was, at that stage I was doing quite a bit of hiking. We had a hiking club at school and so we'd go out and do weekends up in the up in the high country near where I've been recently, um, or all over sort of the east coast of Australia. And I never went to Tassie, but yeah, all over Victoria. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, where was I going with that? Oh, um, yeah, so I remember one time I was with my mate and we were on our bicycles on our three speeds and we went down Q Boulevard and I saw a bike race. I'd never seen a bike race before and it was doing what they call the teardrop. Well, they call it now, it's called the teardrop. Uh, an area down um, Q Boulevard where they, um, you know, they can cut off and they can close the road and they can have some races around there. And I remember seeing this race and I was just fascinated. Um, you know, I was just sort of standing there on the bottom corner watching these, these uh, riders come through the corner there, it was like a, not a U-turn, but quite a sharp uh, turn, but it really stimulated something in me and, and um, you know, I asked the guy who was standing there on the corner sort of directing traffic or whatever and I said, what's what's going on here, you know, and, he, you know, I mean, I was 15 and this old crusty bloke said, oh, yeah, this is bike racing and, you know, we have races here once a month and, uh, you know, they can come down here any any day of the week and there can be other races and, um, you know, this is a circuit race and, and uh, you know, these are the seniors at the moment and the juniors, you know, and he pointed, he said, oh, you know, guys my age, they'll be going to be in the next race. So I spent maybe, you know, half an hour there watching these guys just coming around this one corner and, yeah. And, um, you know, as I was leaving, he said, oh, if you want to add any more information, um, drop down to the, the uh, local bike shop and they'll be able to fill you in the details about clubs and stuff like that. So uh, the next week I went down to the uh, local bike shop in Glenferry Road down to Laurentius and he said, oh, yeah, there's, a, there's the Hawthorne Club if you want to um, some information. And he gave me a brochure and... Um, so I ended up going down to a club meeting, which is a, you know, a bit daunting when you just walk into a, into a club room or something. I didn't know anything about bike racing. I didn't know about the Tour de France or anything like that. So I just went in there and... and <laughs> didn't know um, about the Tour de France and, no, and you, went on and, to be very uh, successful you know, in it. <laughs> yeah. You know, because a lot, of, a lot of people get into a sport, um, you know, through family or friends, but I didn't yeah. know anybody that was a bike racer. I'd never met a bike racer. The only person I'd ever spoken to was that guy on that corner, that bike <laughs> race. <laughs> you know? but, so, um, yeah, so that's sort of where the journey started, just by joining the uh, the Hawthorne Club and, and um, you know, obviously I had to upgrade from my three speeds. So uh, but the club helped me and, you know, I slowly put together a, a bike of bits and pieces. And um, <laughs> you know, so this is in the 70s. So back then, it's not like you get go to a bike shop and buy a, a racing bike. Like bike racing wasn't very popular. You know, it was like sort of car racing. If you want to race a car now, especially you know like Formula One or maybe not quite Formula One, but you know Formula Ford or something, you can't just go into into a car dealership and buy a race car. So you have to back then you had to piece them together. You know, so you get a frame <laughs> from here, you get a set wheels from there, and it all second hand bits and pieces. Yeah. And um, slowly but surely got a um, bike together and 
something which I could um, race and, um, yeah, within maybe uh, a couple of months, I guess it probably took me to a couple of months of joining the club, I, you know, roll up to my first race. Um, so I was How were you feeling? Were you nervous? Uh, yeah, I had no idea what to do. I mean, I <laughs> um, in that in those few weeks leading in, I went for a ride with some of the uh, younger guys, I mean, guys my age, actually younger than me, and we went for a ride up to, I uh, uh, went for a ride up to the Dandenongs, actually. So I met them in Hawthorne and we went, like I'd never been for a ride that length before, so we rode out, I don't know, Burwood Road or somewhere. Um, you know, you think of it now, you think, the traffic. <laughs> we rode out there and I remember we went up uh, to like Sassafras or something, one of those towns in the Danny Nongs, and, um, you know, it was a real slog and you know, those guys were possibly waiting for me, I can't even remember. But then we got to the top, we turned around and came down and uh, it was just so exciting, the descent, you know. Like I was 16, so I hadn't had a, didn't have a driving licence or anything like that, but, the you know, the, the speed and the, you know, c- cutting through the corners and, and um, it was really exciting, you know. In fact, when we got to the bottom, I remember saying, guys, that was fantastic. Can you wait for me while I go back up again so I can do that to say so? <laughs> really? So I think I waited around while I went up and uh, went for round two. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, so I had the first race. Um, it would have been sort of down the peninsula way, actually. It would have been down at Berwick or somewhere like oh, yeah. down that way, Cranbourne or somewhere. So, yeah, not on the coast, but back then. Down southeast suburbs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now the suburbs, back then there was a bit of, bit of a green belt between uh, Metropolis and Melbourne and, and that area. And uh, But I can remember we used to have it, the races we had, they were called handicaps back then and they still have them and, and you know, there's a reason that they have them. Um, you know, so the uh, slow riders, or slow riders, the young riders or the novices or the old guys uh, or the non-fast guys go off first. So were you and competing then, in all – sorry to interrupt. Were you competing in like age groups then or were you all riding together so you'd be riding against no, men? we were all but riding together, yeah. yeah. How was that, yeah, racing against men? Together, I guess, yeah, so it was a club race or an inter-club race. So it was Hawthorne, maybe Carnegie and, I don't know, Blackburn and Chelsea, Chelsea Villa Club. So there were maybe, I don't know, 60 guys and girls. Well, <laughs> I think there were any girls racing back then. But anyway, 60 persons racing and um, – you know, and I, because I was the newbie, I went off alone. <laughs> I went off alone and they said, I don't know, I said, I don't know where I'm going. Just go down to the first corner. There'll be somebody standing there and I'll direct you. You know, and I thought, oh, it's really, really tough to learn. It's going to be tough to learn anything here. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, I headed off and, um, you know, we had, uh, I don't know, it was maybe like a 60K race or, you know, 80K race or something and, you know, so I had it off and kept looking over my shoulder and, you know, there's still nobody in sight and I'm pelling away and, and um, you know, I think I think it was a number of laps, you know, I think maybe you know, 15 k's laps, which you have to do five times or something. So we get round, well, I get round and there was nobody, nobody in sight other than those, you know, every, you know, 10 k's you come to somebody, you know, with a flag <laughs> telling you to go this way. And I thought, geez, I might win this race, you know, like all day. I've only got one lap to go. I'm like a pass, pass the start in his line. And, you know, there weren't wasn't a crowd really. And uh, and then about I don't know, maybe five k to go, I could hear something. 
you know, there's sort of whirring sound. I sort of looked over my shoulder and there's a wall of riders coming past. Oh, you know, I know. The, idea, the idea for a handicap is that, you know, by the time you get to the line, everybody's together, you know, because they stagger it. It wasn't like me against the rest. It was like me and then maybe three minutes behind there were maybe two guys riding and then three guys behind that would be, you know, and eventually you get to the really fast guys who maybe start 15 or 20 minutes behind. But anyway... There's a wall rise. I went straight past anyway. <laughs> so I, I, you know, by the time I got to the finish, possibly like ten or fifteen min- minutes later, I don't think the um, the referee or the judge had even seen me come over the line because I was starting to pack up and go home. <laughs> anyway, so my first race was uh, not eventful. So, and and you know, for the first few few rides, uh, you know, just race on the weekends, uh, it was pretty much like that. You know. I just start off alone every time because I was the last guy in the last race, so they give me a bit more time. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. But eventually, you know, the um, the president of the Hawthorne Club came up to me and started giving me a few pearls of wisdom and told me a little bit about you know starting to train a little bit and um, you know things to do to improve my bike and you know, how to shelter from other riders and, you know, I think they put me in a, in a group instead of going off by, by myself uh, every time in the races I'd be with a group and, um, you know, then then I automatically started improving and, and um, you know, started doing better and finishing with a with, with the, with the bunch and, um, you know, wouldn't be the last rider every time. But, yeah, it was possibly, I don't know, it was possibly a year before I, you know, got a place or anything like that or I got on a podium but... Um, but anyway, yeah, it was uh, just a matter of time before I, you know, got some um, some better results and, uh, you know, won a, won a time trial, I remember, an individual time trial when I was, when I was 17. It was a Victorian, yeah, it was a Victorian time trial championship. And um, I remember the president of the club took me out there, you know, because my parents... My mum and stepfather, I mean, they uh, were happy that I found something which I enjoyed doing, but, you know, they didn't take me to the races. You know, I always get a ride with somebody else from the club. And and um, so this particular day, Ted Sanders, the president, took me out to the race and it was my first time trial. And he says, Phil, you know, you've done a few of these handicaps and stuff, but time trial is different. Well, it wasn't that much different because you're riding by yourself, which I was quite... <laughs> Quite used to, but he said, uh, <laughs> "Think about a time trial is you just got to concentrate. You know, you just got to concentrate. Um, you know, don't worry about you know what's going on after the race or tomorrow or the, you know whether your girlfriend's at the finish or anything like that. Just concentrate on putting the effort, <laughs> you know, through the bike into the road and just you know every second, you know, <laughs> every second counts. You know, it's a time trial, so um, you know, off I went." I was actually, I think I was, again, I think I was like one of the first riders off in that time <laughs> trial, so it was nothing new. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, I just kept remembering Ted's words, concentrate, you know, it's like 20 kilometres or 25 kilometres are just like, you know, against the clock. So, uh, uh, you know, I eventually got to the end and, you know, obviously I had the fastest time because I was one of the first riders off and there was maybe, I don't know, 25, 30 riders there. 
And, uh, you know, there was 10 riders to go, you know, to come in and I still had the fastest time, you know, I was like in the hot seat if there was a such a thing back then. You know, three riders to go, so I knew I was going to at least finish fourth and, um, you know, eventually, the, you know, last year's champion came in and I beaten him by one second <laughs> over 20, 25 kilometres. So I won the, uh, what would have been like the 76, would have been about the 76 Victorian Junior Time Trial Championship. <laughs> like out of Balan or somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, you know, northern suburbs. But, yeah, so, you know, that gave me confidence. And, uh, you know, from then I think I got into uh, the Victorian team and then went to oh, I went to New Zealand to do an event over there, a Dulux tour. That was just like, like a week-long uh, tour of the North Island. I was still under 18. It was a, you know, it was an open event and um, I won it. And it was the first time a non-New Zealander had won it. Like it's not an international event, you know, it's sort of an Australasian or a sort of Oceanus type event. Um, but it had always been Kiwis that had won it. So, uh, and, and I was young. I was only 17 uh, at the time. And so um, that was great, you know, and, and little things like that, you know, little steps like that just gives you confidence. And then, you know, then I got into the Australian team, but it was a senior team and that went to the Commonwealth Games. And then, uh, you know, I got a Commonwealth game uh, gold medal in Edmonton. Uh, and then I was, I think I was 18, still pretty young. And um, no, 19, I would have been 19. And that's where it, Met Charles. Um, I'm watching the crown at the moment, actually. <laughs> Didn't really, you know, it wasn't all that significant at the time, but uh, yeah, I met Charles and then um, had an invitation after getting the Commonwealth gold medal, had an invitation to join a club in, in, in Paris. So it's a big step going from, you know, a Hawthorne club to, to joining a club. It was just an amateur club, like an athletic club. In, in suburban Paris, Boulogne Bellicourt, which is just a suburb of, of Paris, and they have a sporting club, just like in Melbourne, you have uh, different athletic clubs and all sorts of things like that. Yeah. You know, on this club, they have, you know, swimming, tennis, anyway, cycling is one of those sports. So uh, I had an invitation to join that through a connection here in Melbourne. So, um, and, you know, once I got to uh, Europe, you know, they – uh, had an apartment in uh, Paris for me and, and bike, a bike and clothing, obviously team clothing. And, um, yeah, from there as, as an amateur, I had a really good year. You know, I mean, here, you know, I'd done okay here, but it's a big step going over to, over to Europe then, you know, sort of the, you know, the, the sort of, uh, you know, that's the foundation of the sport is in Europe. Um you know, I just did really well as an amateur, you know, winning races, you know, which, I mean, I, you know, won a club championship or something in Hawthorne, but it's a lot different winning a, a European club championship or, you know, a three-day tour or, um, you know, but by the end of the year, uh, I was one of the winningest, winningest riders, um, you know, in France which was that, that particular year, you know, they have sort of like a, like a ladder, like they do with footy and that. And, um, 
yeah, I was, the, I was at the top of the list. Phil Anderson from Australia <laughs> <laughs> was leading this aggregate. And so um, myself and another guy on the team, uh, Robert Miller, he's Scottish. Uh, we both, uh, he did really well as well. And we both um, ended up signing for uh, the Peugeot team, which is a uh, professional team for the next year. So, I mean, I guess, I, you know, that invitation to go over there and join that club as an amateur was really sort of a, it was really a stepping point to go to the Olympics because I'd sort of done the Commonwealth Games thing and the next step after that was, was the Olympics. And so I thought, you know, going over and riding this um, this year as an amateur, you know, in the, in, the, in the real world in France would give me a lot of experience and, and preparation going to the uh, in, into the Olympics. But when I got over there, I just saw it was a whole other world because when you turn pro as a cyclist back then, uh, you basically forfeit uh, representing your country at the Olympics. So I had to make that choice, you know, when somebody comes and says, you know, we'd like to pay you, like pay you a salary to be uh, on our team um, to race your bike. Like, you know, I was doing it for nothing and, and loving it. So somebody comes along and offers you money to do it. Um, you know, it was a choice I had to make, whether I, I uh, come back to Australia and, uh, you know, do training and preparation and try and get selection for the Olympics or, you know, take this sort of direction as a, as a uh, professional. And I might... You know, they came back to Australia and did that. I might never get this opportunity again. So it was a choice I made and certainly uh, not one that I regretted either because I was, um, you know, because I obviously flourished in the in that, um, you know, professional environment, you know. So he's got a club, you know, Melbourne club, French club, into a French team, into a pro team, you know, it's like being on an AFL team, Um it was uh, it was huge and and uh, yeah, my career basically went went from there. Now we've covered a whole lot of ground there, and I'm sure we'll get back into the professional stuff. But I just want to swing back just for a sec, and I want to ask: before you went pro, and maybe even before you got into competitive cycling, obviously you grew up in a completely different era to us two. Growing up in the '60s and '70s, you're sitting at home, you're thinking. Bloody hell! I'm really, really bored. What are you? What are you doing for fun out and about, Phil? Uh, well, the stuff I did, uh, you know, non-academic stuff I did at school, like the hiking and and uh, running and stuff like that. Um, but when I was home, I used to love uh, motorbikes, mini bikes. I used to have little little bikes and uh, go out to the races and uh, with a couple of my buddies. Um, you know, so this is at a time when you could basically <laughs> ride a, uh, a, a, a uh, an unregistered, unroadworthy uh, motorbike around Melbourne. <laughs> you know, but through parks and stuff like that, you'd end up down at the, the Yarra, and there, you know, we had like uh, tracks and stuff through the bush down. Uh, it was in queue actually. You know, you got like um, that's, the freeway goes right through there now, so you wouldn't even know it. But uh, you know, there's a bunch of lagoons and stuff like that. But I used to love that going uh, on the motorbikes and stuff. So obviously, um, you know, I had some skills uh, which would come across from uh, motocross over to um, bicycle riding. Um, but uh, yeah, so I used to love that. Um, sports, you know, I was adventuresome. I used to try and drag my sister who was 
two and a half years older than me on our bikes, but, you know, they were only three speeds. So this is before I was, you know, racing or even thought about racing. You know, we just, we might take the train out to Leadale and, and um, ride from Leadale out to, out to uh, Warburton or something like that because before there was a rail trail there. So, you know, we used to be do adventures, the two of us. Um, yeah, but every holidays I'd go hiking uh, and the long weekends and stuff, you know, like it'd be, uh, and you'd hike uh, Kosciuszko or, you know, the Warren Bungles up in New South or go up to Queensland. So most of the holidays were taken up with a sort of a, a bit of a sort of an epic kind of hiking um, thing, you know, where you, I don't know, over, over a week or 10 days, you might hike oh, 15 k's a day. Actually, it might have been 15 miles. But anyway, you know, you're carrying a heap of stuff on your back. And that, you know, that gives you good skills, which you carry, you know, all your whole life, I guess, you know, like you've got to make decisions where you've got to navigate, you've got to look after yourself, survival skills and stuff like that. So that was really good. Hiking was great. And, um, but yeah. You know, within uh, four or five years, I was living in Paris pretty much by myself. And, and there you have to, you know, you have to cook, you have to clean, you're looking after yourself. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like when you're a pro and you really get, you know, you're getting massage every day, you're in a hotel, you know, really nice places and stuff. Um, you know, as an avid, I was still, uh, you know, I had to uh, win races to survive, to, you know, earn money to feed myself and, and uh, all that kind of thing. But, um yeah, but, yeah, early days, you know, how I, uh, you know, kept myself busy was, um, yeah, I guess always a bit of an adventure. You know, I used to love going out exploring the suburbs on my bike. Yeah, um, I noticed, I think, particularly, I guess, in the 70s and 60s, um, football and cricket seemed to be what every person, um, every male was playing. And it's interesting that you mainly did like endurance-based sports like cross-country and bike riding. Um, why was that? Um, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I guess back then when I, you know, when I was on Hawthorne Club and it, it, it's only really when you get to, uh, uh, you know, a real team situation that you become a, a team player. Back then, I was riding as, as an individual. You know, when I was running, I wasn't running for the Trinity. I was just running for myself, you know, the cross-country. I mean, you might be wearing the, the, the green and gold of Trinity, but you, but um, other than that, you know, so they were individual sports. And, um, yeah, so, you know, footy, maybe it was the the, the feeling of, of uh, you know, I'm going to let the team down or, you know, I didn't want to take that responsibility, I guess. I don't know. Because then when I get, get up to, you know, my racing career, um, while it appears as a, it's an individual sport, it's very much a team sport. You know, you need those guys and they need you, uh, you know, to survive out there. But back then, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't, um, you know, I didn't like getting knocked around maybe, um, you know, that you do on the footy field or... <clears throat> Didn't want the nuts bloody grab. <laughs> oh, that's rugby, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> now, we're obviously in the finals now. I don't know if you follow footy at all, but uh, week one of the finals has just finished. Were you a footy fan growing up? Do you watch footy now? Um, yeah, well, I was growing up, I was always a uh, Cats fan. Good man. Uh, Geelong. 
and it's just and it's and it's just a coincidence now that I live in the Western District because everybody down this way seems to uh, gravitate towards supporting the cats. Um, yeah, but, but uh, you know, and that was possibly because of my stepfather, um, Uncle Alec. He uh, he was a he was a big cat supporter, and I guess his family was always based in the Western District too, down along so um yeah uh always a cats fan i guess never never really wanted from that but yeah i mean i've been to a few matches oh actually only a couple of times a year not even that um you know um but yeah they've had some good years in the last uh well not, not so much last couple well they've had some good games some great uh results in the last decade yeah yeah, so I think we um, touched on the Commonwealth Games before, but I'd like to go a bit more into that race because being a Commonwealth gold um, medalist, was it 19? Yes. Were you 19 years old when you won? That's phenomenal. I'm 21. I can't even comprehend achieving something <laughs> like that. Um, how were you feeling, I guess, going into the race, you know, being so young? And I guess were you one of the favourites to win or was it a bit of a surprise, do you think? Um, you know, at the time... We'd done some racing in um, a little bit of, you know, we left Australia. There was four riders, you know, four road riders. And we we'd, um, we went, the four of us, I think we had like a manager. I don't think we had a mechanic, but we had a manager and we went to the America first. And I'd never been to America before. We went there to a, um, you know, like a, I don't know, five or six stage race there in Colorado. And that was fantastic. You know, like I love loved America. You know, I still love America, but... You know, it was my first time I'd been to New Zealand, so, you know, it was the first time out of Australia other than New Zealand, and to go up into the Rockies and and uh, stay up there and race, and it was... Um, and I met some of the, the competitors that I was going to be racing, uh, you know, maybe two weeks later in the Commonwealth Games. I met them at this other race, you know. I mean, there were Kiwis there, the Brits were there. Um, they were the main ones, yeah, that I met, you know, I don't know, and... You know, my, uh, you know, the Australian manager of the team said, oh, you know, these guys, you're going to see them in a couple of weeks, you know, keep your eye on them and, you know, watch them out on the road. And so, uh, so uh, you know, we went up to uh, Canada and so I knew a few of the riders, you know, I knew the Kiwis, I knew the Brits and um, we had a couple of practice races and I did really well. I think I won both races, you know, that you get there a week before or so and you have a few um, you know, warm up races which lead up to the to the uh, Commonwealth Games. I think I won both of them. You know, in a sprint or whatever. So I might have been considered favourite. I don't know, but um, you know, it was, a, it was a shitty course in so it's in Edmonton in Alberta, so in the in the west, not on the coast. But yeah, one stadium. You got British Columbia and you got Alberta. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a shitty course. A lot of it, 50% of it was mostly just on this freeway, section of freeway, you know. So you basically, I don't know, start and finish was maybe in a golf course somewhere and then you turn off onto the freeway, you go up to the other, you know, on the freeway for maybe 5Ks and do a loop around the suburb and get back on the freeway and come back to the golf course. And you did that, I don't know, 20 times or something. It was a really shocking course, bloody boring, but anyway... I noticed when I got to the start line, like there was the uh, the riders I'd been racing with in America and obviously in the lead-up races. Um, so that was maybe 10% of the field. And then all these other 
countries from places I've never heard of, you know, like, um, you know, there were Indians and, like, you know, riders from countries which just cycling is not, you know, not a hotbed of talent coming from these countries. <laughs> you know, I think if you sneezed, half of them would bloody already be climbing off the bike. <laughs> so, so I knew there wasn't a whole bunch of strength in, in, in the thing. I mean, it's different than the Commonwealth Games where you've got the Russians and the Germans and all this sort of stuff. It's a Commonwealth country. So I think uh, the best riders there were possibly the riders that I was racing with in, in America, you know, and, I, I, and I, you know, I'd been watching those guys and, you know, knew what their talents were and if they were strong climbing or whatever, you know. So anyway, it was a shitty day on a shitty course because it was raining and stuff like that. And um, I think it was... Might have been 200 kilometres. It's quite a long race, you know, sort of goes for five hours or something. And, uh, you know, a bunch of these laps, these boring laps, and I don't know, um, as I predicted, you know, after like two of those 15 laps, it was only (laughs) the same guys. Everybody else was dropped or climbed off. You know, it was only the same guys, you know. The only, you know, real strength in that in the field was those guys that were racing with us before, you know, and so I had to figure a way to get rid of them and, and um, you know, there was a flurry of attacks a couple of laps to go, maybe three or four laps to go, and, you know, I just followed followed some good wheels and um, then there was only like five of us left or four of us, five of us, I think, and then uh, I remember going around a corner, I don't know, a U-turn or something at the far end of the bloody course and... Um, and there was a crash. I don't know if I caused the crash or whatever, but, you know, I went down, one or two others went down, and I thought, oh, shit, you know, it's all over now. You know, <laughs> these, um, you know, we're going to be caught and it's going to be over. But um, so I got up and looked at this other guy, bloody, you know, beside me, it also fell off and we come on, let's uh, ride together and try and chase back this front group. So he um, knuckled down and, and chased and, uh, you know, within like um, two or three kilometres, we had them back in our sights and, you know, I think we caught them maybe half a lap to go and then, um, you know, so then it came down to a five-man sprint. Uh, so I, I, you know, whipped their asses in the sprint and so I got the gold, gold medal. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, I guess being 19, uh, you've just won the gold medal, you know, I don't know what the Commonwealth Games parties are. I know the Olympic parties are meant to be massive. Is other Commonwealth Games similar? And I guess as a 19-year-old, how did you celebrate? Cause <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, um, yeah, you know, there, I had a couple of three teammates, obviously, like from yeah. Australia, uh, likeless, and we went out on a, on the tear, I guess you could say, <laughs> as much as you could. Yeah. As a 19-year-old, it was pretty pretty uh tame i think i don't think we got in too much trouble but um uh yeah we went out and had a few drinks i think but you know i mean that's 18 i think in america you could go out at that age not in america in canada you could uh because of course in the states it's 21 but we were visitors you know we figured we can do anything we wanted <laughs> so but i don't think but it wasn't a huge wild party uh i think the road race was on the last day of the commonwealth games which is pretty shit, actually, because, you know, it'd be much better to have it the first day and then you can party <laughs> yeah. almost the time you're there. You know, you can be on the holiday. You're basically there on holiday. But, uh, you know, when, you, when, you're, um, when your event's on the last day of like a, I think it's 10-day Commonwealth Games sort of 
period, uh, you know, you have to basically live like nuns until until the event. So, you know, and you see all these other guys, you know, all the uh, athletes or the swimmers or whatever, all partying after their day one bloody uh, event, <laughs> just yeah. kicking back all the time, trying to lure you into the dark side. Were your, were your parents over there in Canada maybe keeping a bit of uh, looming over your shoulder, watching every action that you did and supporting you in the race, of course? Uh, no, 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 back here in Australia. Um, yeah, I mean, the world seemed much bigger back then, just the, um, the communications and everything like that, like even just a call from Melbourne to Geelong, it was like a long-distance call, uh, let alone from calling from Melbourne to uh, Canada. I think I called my mum, uh, and they'd all been watching. They actually showed the, the uh, bike race. And so, like, at, you know, I don't know, 2 in the morning or whatever time it was, uh, my stepfather went out into the street in suburban Melbourne and just honked the horn. <laughs> he was so excited because, you know, he watched me um, take the gold and, um, you know, they had a bit of a celebration. I think uh, they all got together by 4 o'clock in the morning. You know, all my friends had come together in Melbourne. Um, but, yeah, I didn't have any friends or relatives over there. But you just make friends, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just make friends. Um, you know, when you're when you're travelling, an athlete, and you know, you sort of uh, – yeah, we might have lived by, like, by, like nuns, but we got a bit of a cheer squad around us, yeah, us Aussies. <laughs> that, actually, uh, the Commonwealth Games segues quite nicely into the Olympics and briefly mentioned before the decision to pursue your uh, career, your professional cycling career over uh, representing Australia at the Olympics. And I'm really interested in that. So can you talk us through that whole decision process and how long it took, everything like that? Yeah, so, that, so we spoke about the Commonwealth Games just now. So that was in 78 and um, in 79, the following year, I went over there, uh, like I explained earlier, uh, just joined that club in Paris and did really well. And, and yeah, by the end of the year, I had um, uh, offers from a couple of teams to turn pro. So at that stage, I had to decide, well, between the two teams that were offering me a contract, whether I was going to do that or if I was going to come back to Australia and stay amateur and, you know, do that sort of... Uh, uh, the Olympic uh, dream, if I was going to follow that. But, um, you know, when I, was, when I was over there as an amateur, I remember very early on in the year in Paris, I went to see a, um, a, the start of a, of a professional race. You know, it's quite a big race. It's called the Paris-Nice, and it was just down the street at the start. Um, it's a race which goes from Paris down to Nice, and it goes down to the down sort of, you know, basically the, the guts of France. Down the, it's called the Race of the Sun because it's in springtime and, and uh, in the north of the climes of Paris, it can be kind of miserable weather and it goes down to the Mediterranean where, um, you know, spring weather is always fine. It's very nice. So they call it the Race of the Sun. Anyway, myself and, and a couple of my French teammates, we went down to, to watch the start of this, um, this one-week race, this professional race. And I didn't know anything about professional racing. Like I was doing the amateur thing and, and you know, I grew up in, a, in Australia where it was all about the amateurs and representing your country and, you know, there were some pros in Australia and, and um, uh, you know, the races in Australia was the Sun Tour and, you know, the Melbourne to Warrnambool, they were professional races but 
you know, going down the, down the street and seeing the start of this Paris Nice race was a far cry from uh, seeing the Sun Tour. It was huge, you know, like there was huge crowds and the riders were, were, you know, you could see hundreds of people around a rider, you know, and everybody trying to get photographs or get autographs or, you know, cameras there and helicopters hovering over the top. It was a lot different than um, anything I'd ever seen um, in Australia. And, uh, you know, for me, I hadn't never really seen the Olympic Games or anything like this. And so all year you're sort of surrounded by this sport. Um, And, uh, you know, by the end of the year, you know, I'd done very well and and I had – you know, teams approaching me, you know, whether I'd like to sign and become a part of the sort of the inner sanctum of the sport, you know, which is, you know, it's a bit like, uh, you know, a, a kid in Melbourne being, uh, um, you know, on a uh, club footy team or, you know, school footy team and being headhunted out by a, um, you know, an AFL team and, you know, come over to, to, to sign up or you can stay on and, you know, you don't have to come over. You can stay at, at, at your school side and maybe win the inter schools, but you might never get that opportunity again to um, to uh, to get into the AFL. So for me, that was the decision I had to make, and it was pretty tough. But um, you know, after seeing you know what the sport was at the professional level, um, you know, I threw a caution to the wind and signed. Because it was, uh, you know, I, I just didn't know if that opportunity would come again. I mean, I guess if I, you know, I should have been more confident and thought, well, I can do both. I can go and sign. I can, you know, I can come back to Australia, do the selection race, you know, get with the Victorian team, then go for the Australian select, you know. Like, you know. Yeah, for me, it was, uh, it, was, it was an easy choice. I just ended up signing for, um, you know, the Peugeot team. And I was there for four years. With the Peugeot team, and and uh, you know my pro career lasted fifteen years. So first four years I was with um, with that Peugeot team. It was great, living the dream. <laughs> do you ever think nowadays, post retirement, do you ever think about what could have been if you uh, perhaps pursued an Olympic career representing Australia over the professional career cycling, the Tour de France, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean it's. Um, I think if I stayed uh, amateur and did the, Com- did the Olympic Games in 80, well, 80 ended up being a bit of a wash, really. I don't know if you remember. That was Moscow, and the Americans uh, boycotted it. I mean, I didn't know that at the time, you know, because that was after the decision. Um, but and, and now, like, you know, in, in 2020, um, and I think the first... I think the first Olympics where the pros were allowed to ride was Atlanta, so 96. So by 96, it changed and it became open. So all riders, it wasn't just amateurs, okay? So there was a sort of a, a, a change in the in the uh, administration or the, the categories of, of uh, riders within the sport, uh, and it would have been in about 94 because I ended up doing the comp. Commonwealth Games a second time where I got another gold medal right at the end of my career because the Commonwealth, um, like the Olympics, opened up to where pros could do it. In the first year, they allowed that was 94, which was my uh, final year. So, um, 
Yes, I think it would have been nice. It would have been nice, you know, even if, uh, well, I certainly wasn't going to stay racing for two more years and do Atlanta, which was 96. But, um, you know, it would have been nice to do that. But, you know, you can't have, you can't have everything. <laughs> like, you know, I feel I was very fortunate in my career um, and I don't have any regrets. And one of those regrets would uh would not be, um, you know, doing the, the Olympics. You know, I, I, you know, I think, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there was a natural progression and, and uh, through my career and, you know, I made the choice and, and I didn't, didn't look back, you know, but in hindsight you look back and you see uh, the, the benefits and it's possibly more commercial, I guess, in, in, in uh, a post athletic career, you know, if you've been an Olympian or got an Olympic medal, you know, there can be uh, benefits which um, which I don't, uh, that I missed out on, let's say. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's not something I'm, you know, it's not something I'm losing sleep about and, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunately that was, the, uh, that was the era and, you know, I'm fine with it. Mate, Harper, how good was that? Oh, mate, Lockie, very, very good indeed. Phil Anderson, what a guy, eh? Mate, he is awesome. He sure knows how to spin a yarn. Um, I can't wait for part two. I hope everybody can stick around for that. Yeah, uh, some weird and funny and interesting stories, including something Phil did uh, on Lance Armstrong, uh, which is a bit of a weird one because, of course, he was teammates with Lance Armstrong. And some uh, more great stories all in part two. Go listen.